sins and um, believed in Jesus Christ. And ever since from that time, I started growing in my walk with the Lord. And um, I had an opportunity to go to the Bible College through my, my dad, who is also sponsored by Gospel Link. And uh, through the grace of God, I went there and I studied. And now I am at the Bible College working as a campus pastor. Along my testimony, alongside my testimony, we're going to sing the song that says, You are Lord and you are King. Jesus Christ is Lord and is King. And the Bible says, At the mention of his name, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Stay blessed. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are so glad to worship the Lord in this manner, in this house right now. Amen. Amen. So as we continue to worship the Lord, I, I'm going to share a testimony um, about how I got saved. 
I was missing the family of worship in the Lord. So I was born in the family of uh, believers. My parents were both believers. And um, as children, we were committed to church, uh, following them, going to church every day. Oh, I joined different groups, clubs at church, uh, singing groups, and uh, also uh, Bible studying groups. And I was, uh, I was trying by all means to do good in those uh, teams. Uh, so I did not realize about anything that I, I need to be saved for me to be with the Lord in heaven. But um, as my parents died, um, I continued with that, going to church, going to church. Up to when, one time when I, go, I went to um, mission camp, there was a, um, a youth camp where I met the uh, preacher who was preaching about salvation. And he said, salvation is only in Christ. No one can be saved without Christ. So I was like, but I believe that I'm, I'm, I'm saved, but I don't know Christ. Then um, that message he preached really helped me to understand what it is to get saved. And um, I, I understood to say I was nothing. Whatever I tried to do to make myself pleased that I'm saved, I was nothing. I was getting worse and worse. I felt convicted in my heart with the help of the Holy Spirit I gave my life to Christ. From that time, I'm happy now because I know that Christ who died for me, he is my Lord and Savior. I praise him for he made a way for me to be saved. I tried by all means to make myself pleased to think I'm saved, but Christ knew that I was doing nothing. And he made a way for me to be saved. I had also opportunity to learn his word at the International Bible College of Zambia. I came to know this college through my uh, pastor, who is uh, one of the gospel-supported uh, preachers. Um, when I knew about the college, I was very happy to start the word of God, and I applied to the school. I was accepted. Right now, I'm in my junior year. Very ready to be a senior next year. <laughs> when I graduate, oh, I want to do further studies. Uh, if the Lord wills, then I can be a teacher teaching God's word. In Zambia, by the way, we have a privilege of uh, teaching the gospel in public schools. So that's where I wish to do. I, would do, I wish to do that, to become a teacher in public school, to share the gospel among my friends uh, in high school. So... Um, alongside my testimony, we are going to sing a song testifying that God is good. And uh, he, he sent Jesus to die because of my sins. And now I'm happy because I know that he is my king. Amen. Thank you. 
This is not America, this is Africa, okay? <laughs> so we expect everybody to worship like you are in Africa. So God is good. And all the time. Yeah, I'd like to thank Pastor Keith Meyer for giving me this wonderful opportunity to stand before you and speak the word of God. And we are so thankful for the host homes. We are so thankful for this church for giving us another opportunity. I remember I came last year and you are given another opportunity, of course not on this location, that time it wasn't on this location, but a different location, but the same church, and we came and we sang, and we had sponsors, and I was, I had different people supporting me in ministry, I have the smells are supporting me, I've got the Israel uh, supporting me, and it was a great privilege to have different sponsors and different people helping the college. Uh, how many have been to Zambia in here? Wow. And how many have been to Africa in general? Wow, that's a great blessing. We still need more people to come. So uh, this evening I'm going to speak uh, from the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 90. I'll be a little bit careful about the English. I understand my English will be a little bit different. Kind of like British English mixed with my local language. So you need to pay much attention to understand. So Psalm 90 or 90. We'll be doing verse 1 up to 12, but I won't, be, I won't go through everything. Psalm 90 verse 1 through 12, I like reading the word of God. The Bible says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, all sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death, they are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your 
indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. You see, uh, there's this joke, and I like talking about it with Pastor John saying, here in America, people have the watches, and in Zambia or Africa, we have the time. So if you have an event, like uh, here in America, you'll be saying, oh, what's the time? Be looking at the watch. But for us, we have all the time to spend for that event. So we have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, but I won't do that here. I won't take all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll give you some time. Yeah. So uh, if, if we look at this, talking about time, uh, we all know that time is moving. Nobody owns time. Okay. Nobody here owns time. God is the one who owns that. And time is flying away and there's no one who can catch it. There's no one who can catch time. If, if I wish I can bring back the years. When I was still in high school, if I wish I can bring back those days. But you cannot bring them back. Because time continues to move. It continues to move and it's not going to wait for anyone. Okay, so that's what we see. And we'll be looking at the prayer that Moses prayed. Moses was a servant of the Lord and he was sent by God to go and deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. And he learned of a lot of things. He learned a lot of things from that through how God disciplined the children of Israel and in how he punished people who are sinning and all sorts of things, how he declared to say, this generation will not enter the promised land because of their sins. And how he let the younger generation go into Canaan. He experienced that. How God told him to say, you are not going to go in, but you are going to stay back. So he has a lot of experience. And this is his prayer in Psalm chapter 9. And he's praying. And so we are going to learn from what Moses was praying in his prayer. So if you look at verse 1 and 2, uh, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout our generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So uh, when I was studying, when I was going through this scripture, I was able to see three things and three comparisons, if you continue down there, that Moses is trying to compare God, he's trying to compare the eternity of God and to see how man is temporal. Because man is not eternal right now. So he begins by talking about God, how God is, uh, he has been God through generations. And for a generation to come, the other generation has to pass. So there's a generation of people that passed, and then another generation came, but God still remained God. He's not controlled by time. So that's how he is everlasting. And then he talks about, in the, in, that, is, that is in verse 1. In verse 2, he talks about God being the creator. If he's the creator, then it means that he existed before the creation. So he has been existing before time and before, he, he is the one who created time. So he's not bound by time. Then when we go down, uh, he also in verse 2, he talks about God who is from everlasting to everlasting. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is not controlled by time. Then from talking about God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, now he starts talking about man. He starts 
pray, in his prayer, he starts talking about me and you. What is our condition? Are we from everlasting to everlasting? We wish we were, like we wish we can stay forever, but that's not our situation. Uh, he says uh, in verse 7, uh, I'll jump some of the verses, but you can lead through when you have time. But in verse 7 specifically, he says, We are con consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. And that is as a result of sin in verse 8. If you look at verse 8, it says, All our sins are exposed before God. And if we look back where we are coming from, when Adam sinned, God said, because you have sinned against me, you are going to be dying. Because I told you, do not do this, but you did it, so you are going to sin. Now, everyone of us sins. And Jesus explains very well in the Gospels to say, sometimes you may learn a way to say, I don't do adultery. But he says, even in your thoughts, you can commit adultery. So that's how deep your sin is. Like, even in your thoughts, you can sin. Even if you don't practically sin. So he's saying, because of our sin, God is angry with us and he says, you are not going to live forever. You are going to die. And your years are going to be limited. And Moses explains, he talks about how they were able to live in that generation probably. Only 70 to 80 years. So man is temporal and we see people dying. We have relatives who died. I have my parents who died. We have seen friends who die. And that testifies to you that man is temporal. It does not matter how you are going to die. Whether in Africa you die with malaria, or whether you die with cancer, or whether you die in an accident, or whether you die in any way. But what we have to know is God is eternal, and man is temporal. And there are some other phrases he uses and talks about how we are compared to grass. Which, like in Africa, you may, we may have grass, which will be green, it will get dry, and you burn it and it will disappear. And again it will grow up, it will be green again. So we are compared to that, like we just pass away within a short period of time. And if we look in verse 10, it says, even these few days that God has given us, these few years to live, again the same years, they are full of trouble. Okay? In these few years that God has given you to live, you face sickness, there's going to be war, you are going to face some uh, kind of famine, people are suffering and are passing through difficult situations even through these few years that we have to live. So that's how temporal the life of a man is. And this is what all of us need to understand. Sometimes we can go about our lives. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, it is appointed by God, of course, to every man that he only lives once, and when he dies, he's going to face judgment. So sometimes we get busy and we forget about that, and we forget that we only have a few years to live. So we may learn as human beings, I may learn to make a budget, I may learn to budget my money, I may learn when I get the salary, I'll use this salary for the whole month, I'll pay these bills, I'll keep this other money, I'll do this. But with a few years God has given you, it's difficult to use them very well. So we find most of the people, they destroy the years that God has given them. With a few years he has given them, we spoil them. Like if I want, I can go drinking, I can do all sorts of sins I want to do within the few years God has given me. And I'll spoil them. But what Moses is trying to say now in verse 12 is saying, God teach us to number our days. Give us the wisdom so that we may understand that we only have a few years to live. And we understand why we are so temporal. Why we have a few years to live. And we understand that it's the background that is coming from us, we may want to live forever. 
but we understand that we are living a temporal life because of sin. And the book of Hebrews, like I said, it explains to say, even when you die, you move out from this body. Still, judgment is waiting for you. God is going to judge you. And that's because of your sin. So, the prayer of Moses is that God gives each one of us wisdom to understand why we are living a few years. To understand why even within these few years, we are passing through a lot of trouble, we are passing through a lot of wars, we are passing through a lot of dangerous things. All the time, death is following us. Why? It's because of sin. That's the wisdom that Moses is praying that we understand to number our days, to know that our days are few, and it's because of sin, and God, it's because God is angry with us, and it's calling for repentance. It's call, calling for us to have that wisdom to understand. So when we just end there, it will be difficult for man to survive because there's nothing we can do, like I said, to, to buy time. You can't keep time. It will be frying away. But the good news is that Christ was sent by God. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and take your place. Your place is a temporal place. Uh, I talked about how we are brought to an end by God's anger. So Christ came so that he may take all the anger of God, that is, the wrath of God is supposed to pour on you, was poured on Christ. Then the sins, all your sins, that God was looking at and he keeps on punishing us, and he keeps on punishing us for our sins and uh, judging us, he's saying when you die you are going to go to hell. Those sins were pressed on Christ. And the Bible says once you believe in Christ in John chapter 3 verse 16, he's going to give you eternal life. So instead of living in fear, because every day all of us we are living in fear of dying. All of us we want everlasting life. All of us we want eternal life. How are you going to get it? Jesus Christ lived, uh, he demonstrated the temporal life on earth and he passed through a lot of calamity. Of course, like I said, our few days that we have, they are full of calamity, they are full of all kinds of difficulties. But Christ took all those difficulties on the cross. They put on him a crown of thorns. They beat him and they did all sorts of things to him. So they suffered and the wrath of God was, was on him. He carried all our sins and the anger of God, all the wrath of God was poured in him, on him. So that you and me, we may not suffer that. So that when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, he takes our praise. The press that I was talking about, the temporal press that we have, he takes that press so that you and me, we may enjoy everlasting life. And in John chapter 10, he says, I've come, the enemy comes to destroy, but I've come so that I may give you life in abundance. And that is eternal life, so that you don't have to live a temporal life. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live waiting for judgment. You don't have to run away from death because the Bible says Christ has overcome the power of death. So he has taken our praise so that when we believe in him for our salvation, he forgives our sins and he takes our praise and we have everlasting life. So this is the gospel right there when, when Moses is praying. And I challenge all of us in here. And I know there's no one here who can say, I don't fear death. Because when a vehicle passes by or you're on the tarmac, you run away. Why do you run away? When you are sick, why do you go to the hospital? Because all of us in us, God has put that longing, you long for everlasting life. Even people who don't know God, they long for everlasting life. They wish they could live forever. 
You see, when you, when you start advancing in years, you wish you can bring back those years. Why? It's because that longing for everlasting life, God has put it in you. But you can't get it. You can only find it in Jesus Christ. So he says in John 14 verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the eternal life that you long for each and every day in your soul. So when you put your faith in Christ, you are going to have eternal life. You are going to have eternal salvation. It's going to save you from your sins and you're going to enjoy life. And to everyone who hasn't yet put their faith in Christ, I want to challenge you this evening. God needs to give each one of us wisdom. We need to number our days. Our days are just few. You may die tomorrow. You may die a week after this. You may die in a road accident. Or you may die with cancer. That doesn't matter. The fact is you are going to die because of your sin. But what matters is with a few years God has given you, if you learn to have wisdom to number your few years you have given them, you can use them well to put your faith in Christ Jesus for salvation so that he gives you eternal life. And for believers, it's a challenge to know that we need to number our days. Paul says we need to be wise in this generation because we only have a few years to live. We need to use these few years God has given us to bring glory to his name each and every day that we live in these few years that God has given us. God bless us. Amen. Let's pray as we continue. Uh, Father, we do thank you that we've been able to worship you tonight to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we've heard your gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed. Father, we pray for each one tonight that does not yet know you. Father, that even right now, as you're reaching out to them through your spirit, Father, that they'll be responding to you in faith and confession of sin and repentance and receive your gift of eternal life. <coughs> Father, we thank you for the Bible college and all that you're doing. Father, we thank you for the national pastors and just those that are being saved through their ministries and the churches that are being started. Uh, Father, I thank you for this church and the way they've embraced this ministry. And Father, I pray you continue to bless them because of that and just because of their obedience in following you where you lead them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just share with you a little bit about the college, just a little bit about uh, what's going on. Uh, obviously, we have the mandate of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And I want to commend you as a church for doing that. Uh, not just sending your money, but you're going, you're participating, you're praying, you're being a part of what God is doing. So I thank you and I commend you for that. God has called all of us, not necessarily to go to Africa or go to the other places, but he's called all of us to be a part of what he's doing around the world, right here at home and around the world. Um, Gospel Inc. has about um, uh, 1,300 national pastors we're working with in Africa and Europe and Asia. All of these are national pastors. They're natives of the countries where they live and serve. They're planting churches there. They're reaching people. They're reaching out to the neighboring countries. So that's our main ministry. And then alongside that is the Bible College. And I'll be explaining a little bit about that. Um, my heart's in Africa. I work particularly with pastors in Tanzania, in Ethiopia. I've been to, to Zambia a couple of times. So many of you have been a lot more than I have. Um, and then I travel with the students when they're here. But my heart's in Africa. So um, I, I ran across these stats a while back. 
that talk about what God is doing in the nation of Africa, and it's just amazing. And the fellow that, that, that published this book, Philip Jenkins, is a professor at Penn State. And that's a real strong evangelical college just up the road here in Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> now, it's a secular school, but uh, Philip Jenkins has written this book about the worldwide growth of Christianity. And it's really amazing, particularly what we see on the continent of Africa. In 1900, there are approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By 2000, that number had risen to 360 million. In fact, there's more Christians now in Africa than there is in the United States. There's more Christians, there's almost as many Christians now in China as there is in the United States. And projections are, if Jesus Christ tarries, um, by 2025, there'll be 300 and, and uh, excuse me, 633 million Christians in Africa. And by the middle of the century, the projections are worldwide, there'll be 4 billion Christians around the world. And you know, we look at our own nation and a lot of folks are really discouraged. Uh, we look at the election and all those things that are going on and uh, folks are really discouraged. They, they, they feel like, you know, we're just kind of at the end of our nation, but Jesus Christ is still on the throne. You know, we read through the Bible, we see kings rise and we see kings fall and, and Jesus Christ continues. God is still God and he's going to accomplish his purposes. And every day, Jesus Christ is bringing people to himself. We look at our own nation, and a lot of the spiritual indicators are either you know, flatlined or they're going down, and there's no doubt about that. But we look around the world, and we see what God is doing, particularly in the southern hemisphere and the eastern hemisphere. In places like Africa, God is bringing thousands and thousands of people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we can be excited about that. We can praise God for that, and we have the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. Now, there's still some challenges. Uh, we look at Africa, and, and we see what God is doing, but there's still a lot of challenges. One of the biggest challenges is language. In Zambia, there's 73 languages um, altogether, counting English. Most of these students know four or five different languages. I don't know about y'all, but I'm having trouble uh, with one language. And we're talking about accents. You probably notice my accent's a little bit different from your accent. In fact, uh, you know, we don't have an accent. It's everyone else that has an accent, right? <laughs> yeah. But they know the languages. But in Africa, there's over 2,000 languages. A third of the Bible translation that's still yet to be done is on the continent of Africa. So that's a challenge. Uh, we need more and more churches. And we look around here in the United States and we see a lot of churches and figure if anybody wants to go to church, you know, they can find one pretty close to them. But in Africa, that's not the case. In East Africa and Southern Africa right now, people are coming to the gospel very readily. They hear the gospel proclaimed in a way they can understand it. They receive it and they follow it. You can go and do evangelism. You can show the Jesus film, uh, do open air crusades, do hut to hut evangelism. You could easily, a small team, could see a couple of thousand people saved every week. But the pastors tell us over and over in Africa, evangelism is easy, discipleship is difficult. Now we, we say here, evangelism is difficult and discipleship is difficult. But there, when people are presented, they're pretty receptive to receiving Christ. 
But here's the thing, if they're not followed up, if they're not discipled, if they're not brought into the life of a local church, they go right back where they came from. So discipleship is so important. Uh, even the pastors themselves, it's so important for them to be trained and to go deeper in their faith. Now you don't have to have a seminary degree, you don't have to have a master's degree to be a pastor, but we need folks that are trained like these men that can train others and to go deeper in their faith, so that they're sound doctrinally. And, and they have excesses there, they have false doctrine, just like we have it here. So that's why it's so important. That's why the Bible college is so important. So we need more trained pastors. Uh, with the pastors, that, that even the ones that are trained and are doing the work, need some support so that they can do even more. So they can serve full-time church planting. And then we need the college and ministries like this so they can grow even deeper in their faith. So there's still a lot of challenges in Africa. The Bible College was started in 2009. We've had several classes graduate now. We have 325 acres on Mount Kazimba, a beautiful campus. The Lord's blessing there. We have 90 buildings. Most of those are the cabins where the students live in. Uh, we're building a new medical clinic there at the college. Just some, a lot of exciting things are happening there. Uh, we're working on a, a, a plan for the students to be certified in education. has been mentioned to go into the high schools and, and all the grades and teach Bible. Uh, the government will pay them, and they can start churches in those, in those schools. Uh, we're looking forward to starting a nursing program at the college. We have a clinic there that's treating... Uh, not just the students, but the, the entire village around there. So we're very, very thankful for what God is doing at the college. All of the students come on a sponsorship, scholarship basis. Uh, the sponsorships are $50 a month. Each student needs four of those. Enables them to come to the college to go full-time. They all work at the college at least 18 hours a week. They help take care of the grounds. Uh, the buildings, they're helping build the new buildings, they're working in the clinic, uh, they're going into the churches, they're teaching, they're preaching, uh, they're cooking the food, they're growing the food. We have three chicken houses there, uh, they're helping with that. Uh, so the students are learning a lot of things and they're working while they're there. It's a four-year program, a Bachelor of Theology. As I mentioned, we're going to be adding nursing, we're going to be adding education, uh, things like that. Uh, so it's a good, well-rounded education. So the students are able to come, uh, and basically the students that are able to come, and we can't take everybody that, that wants to come, um, it's not like they have four or five different colleges they're looking at and they're deciding on which one to go to. They, most of them, if they don't come to the International Bible College, they're not going to be able to go to college. But God has called them and God is using them, and we're helping to equip them there at the college. So uh, those are the sponsorships for the students. Uh, well, let me, go, let me back up. have 99 students in, enrolled in the college right now. have uh, 25 new students coming in in January. And, of course, we do have a waiting list of, of, of students that would like to come that are not able to come. So we have the sponsorships for the students. Again, $50 a month. Uh, sponsorships for the graduates. Just have a couple of those left, and, and those will all be completed. We're very thankful for that. Uh, we're getting more and more Zambian professors. Uh, we have uh, three students who have already received their master's degree here in the U.S. 
and they're back at the college teaching. Uh, we have one student still here. He's at uh, Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. He'll go be going back and teaching. And then we have some professors that got their education there in Africa, and they're at the college teaching. Uh, Pastor Bernard is one of them. Many of y'all have met him. Uh, he's there teaching, and he is fully sponsored uh, right now. We're very thankful for that. Uh, so those are the sponsorships. I'd love to talk with you about those. We have the profiles back there on the table. You can see the student. I uh, see his picture, see his testimony, um, all of that. Uh, all of the sponsors, of course, get the quarterly reports. How many of y'all are sponsoring a student or a pastor? I know several of you are. And I hope you're getting good reports. Every quarter, every student, every pastor, the graduates, uh, that are working at the college, they all fill out a quarterly report, tells you how they're doing, how their ministry is doing, what their prayer requests are, what their goals are for the next quarter. Those come to the sponsors so you know how to pray for them. And I hope you're also corresponding uh, with the person you're sponsoring. You can do that. There's a place on the website to go and, and type a message, and it'll get to them very quick. So we have that. We have the quarterly reports. We also have a quarterly newsletter. Uh, we'd love for you to get that. Uh, also back there on the table, we have some CDs. Uh, those are just simply for a donation. Love for you to get that. If you were here during the dinner, the music you heard playing was from that CD. So love for you to get that. Also, uh, we kind of already mentioned the mission trips, the uh, teams that are going to uh, Zambia every year. Every May, June, and July, every two weeks, a new team goes. Uh, they work at the college, they can work in the capital, they can teach, work in the clinic, uh, go into the villages, work with children, do construction, just all kinds of different opportunities on those teams. I know y'all are very well plugged in uh, to the college and appreciate that. I also lead teams to Tanzania every summer. Uh, next July I'll be leading another team. Love to talk with you about that. The trips vary in cost depending on where you're going and what you'll be doing. Uh, the, the Tanzania trips, for instance, are about $1,250 uh, plus the airfare. I think the Zambian trips are a little bit uh, cheaper. And then on those trips, the safari, if you've been on the safari to Victoria Falls and uh, Botswana, you know those are, uh, that's added to that. So anyway, we'd love to talk with you about those trips. I know a lot of the folks here can, can tell you about the trips and their experiences. There's even a, a photo book back on the table that one of the members here made that has pictures of one of the most recent trips. So we'd love for you to see that. All right, um, again, we're just very thankful to be here tonight. Uh, thankful for this time of worship and just to be a part of what you're doing and to have you to be a part of what God is doing at the Bible College in Africa. I'm going to ask Pastor Keith if he'll come forward at this time. Oh, yeah. That's I was just checking to make sure there's still plenty of concert left. We want to hear, we want to hear more. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to pray, and then um, our ushers are going to come forward and are going to, going to collect the offering. Everything that's given uh, is going to go directly to Gospel Link. Uh, you should make checks out to Harvest Baptist Church. We'll pass everything on. We'll let them know. And uh, like I said, everything's going to go to support the uh, the work of the Bible College. So it's a uh, it's a worthy cause. 
We're going to pray, and uh, we're just going to ask God to take these, uh, these gifts and to multiply them uh, for his glory. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear testimonies. We thank you for the opportunity to hear about the work that you're doing uh, throughout the world through Gospel Inc. And we thank you for the passion that you put into the heart of Lewis Nelms when he founded this organization. And we thank you that you took it and you've grown it into something amazing. Father, I thank you uh, for these uh, six brothers and our sister from Zambia and for the fact that they represent 90 other students and, and more could come uh, if, if the housing were there and all the facilities were there and the, and the funds were there. And uh, we thank you for receptive hearts in Zambia, hearts that, that desire to know you and to know your word. And we thank you for the rapid growth. And so we pray that you would use what we give but Father, also stir and change our hearts that we might know how it is that, that we can go and be involved, if at all possible. We thank you for your grace. We pray your blessing on this offering now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
to sing again, but I just got permission from Pastor Keith. You are actually allowed to stand up and worship with us. So if you, if you could just stand up and have a little fun worshiping the Lord this evening. Thank you, Tiffany. She is my teacher. Okay, we are going to do a song saying there's no one like Jesus. I think most of you have heard of it before. It's sung in different languages, but it's simply saying there's no one like Jesus. 
I've walked and walked. So when we say I've walked and walked, you need to demonstrate it. You need to show that you have walked everywhere around the chairs there. And when we say I've searched, you need to search around the chairs, even under the chairs. <laughs> then we say I've turned around, you need to turn around. And then at the end say there's no one like Jesus. So that's how the song is going. So you can join us, sing, and then do the motions. done thank you for coming <laughs> this was a wonderful service we praise the lord <laughs>